Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Hey, hey, to the afternoon bunch. My name is Steve Scone. I'm the campus pastor. Welcome. That song was fun, wasn't it? I'm thinking Simon Cowell would have given a two thumbs up. You know what I'm saying? I did also think just a moment ago, I just got invited to speak at a series called You Make Me Crazy. I'm not sure if I should be offended or not, but maybe not. But here we go. I'm here. Too bad. Uh, Hey, last week we started this series, You Make Me Crazy. And Pastor Marty talked about practical relational wisdom that we really extracted from the scriptures. And and it's interesting because I know this book, it's actually about relationships, and it's one of my favorite book titles. The title is called Everyone's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. I thought, oh, that seems right. That's true about everybody else but not yourself, right? No. Um, We are a little crazy, kind of the, the theme of that song. And we know people that make us a little crazy. And remember, Pastor Marty, if you are here last week, also added this, that we like to hide our crazy. And I think that's true, too, in life sometimes. But the good news is this, the the scriptures, and, and we'll open them today, the scriptures provide wisdom for us in how to navigate the craziness of our sometime, or of our relational world, right? Because sometimes it is crazy, and we all need relational intelligence to uh, help along those lines. So you probably know the phrase, "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will what? Never hurt you, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt you." So, quick poll: How many of you think, thinking about the claim, how many of you actually think words? can hurt you. Quick raise of hands, okay? We all agree, amazing. You guys are geniuses, as am I. We all know, that's not true, right? I don't know where this phrase came from or why it became so popular, but it really isn't true because what we all know is that words can hurt. They do hurt sometimes. They have the power, words, to tear down, to wound, to damage. But the reverse is also true. Words have power to build up, to heal, to encourage, to inspire. And words are, in a way, like tools. They can be used for good or for evil. So if a, if a word was like a tool, or, or let's say a warrior took his tool, so to speak, a sword, a sword can protect or defend the innocent, or a sword can hurt, wound, or even kill the innocent. In one proverb in the Old Testament, we see how words as tools can be used for good or for evil. And Proverbs 12 says it like this, verse 18. The words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Another proverb insightfully reminds us how words can impact us, and it says this, Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has a power of life and death. So I guess the person who came up with sticks and stones didn't get the memo because words do matter. And that begs the question, how do these words, these tools, how do we use them to bring goodness and love? How do we use them to bring hope and encouragement 
How do we use them to bring light to this world that's sometimes dark? Because although we can't control how other people use their words, we can control how we use our words. And I'll say that again. Although we can't control how others use their words, we can control how we use our words. So if we want to grow in this arena of our lives, there are actually some things we have to fight against. We have to fight the forces. We have to resist the forces because growth doesn't come without resistance. So it's kind of like weightlifting, right? You, you have this weight that you're lifting. You're trying to grow muscle mass and the force of that weight, right? You're going against the, gra- <clears throat> excuse me, the gravity of where it, you know, it's telling you, don't pick that up, right? But that's how you build the muscle mass. There's resistance. So <clears throat> one force that we must resist is this, talking down to or about another person. We're all tempted to do it. It plays out in different ways. And whether, whether we're saying something to someone's face or saying it when they're not around, it's a reality that we all have to face. And it can be more obvious. Sometimes it comes out in something rude or insulting or, or a verbal attack of some kind. Or it can play out more subtly. Maybe you insinuate something negative about someone or you slightly or subtly spread a rumor. Or you say something negative, you know, that you shouldn't have, you dismiss another person. And maybe it comes out like this. We've all heard someone say, bless their heart, dot, dot, dot. And it can be like a really wonderful sentiment or not, right? Well, bless their heart. And then, you know, the dot, dot, dot comes. Like probably all of us can, you know, pay attention a little bit, be a, more careful, be a little more careful to the dot, dot, dot. But whatever forms this, form this takes, we have to resist this force because None of us, not me, not you, not any of us, are immune to the tendency of using our words to put someone down or talk about someone poorly. I think we're all guilty. I know I am. And the book of James in the New Testament gives this really good metaphor that speaks to this. It sheds light on how destructive our words can be, but also shows the other side. So James says words are like a fire or a spark. Chapter 3, verse 5, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And in the greater context, James also writes about we can use words to bless or to curse. And it's with the same tongue we can do both. And the image of words as a fire, I mean, it really brings this truth home. When my son Hudson was five years old, he, he wanted to make one of those treasure maps that had like the burnt edges around it. You guys know what I'm talking about? I can kind of picture it. So I'm thinking, you know, the, the movie Goonies. I love Goonies. Anybody loves Goonies? My son didn't watch Goonies for the record at five years old, but, you know, he got that idea. So he had this map, and then he had this genius idea. I want to turn it into like the burn look, right, this really cool treasure map. So one day I walk into the living room. He's got a match. And his map made out of paper. And he takes this match, apparently just before I got in the room, and he lights it, right? And then it basically goes right to the paper. I'm going to blow it out. I don't want to burn anything down here. <clears throat> but um, but he's, as he's about to light, I walk into the room, and I'm like, no, 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 stop. Not like in the stop, drop, and roll kind of way. In the stop, because our house is about to be lit on fire kind of way. 
Of course, he panics and he freezes and then he drops the paper and match right onto the area rug. And you can guess what happens next. So I like jump on, right? I'm running, stomp, 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 right? Put it out, put it out, put it out. Right, my parenting skills are clearly amazing. I know, thank you. And, uh, and it was this moment, right, that, that Hudson didn't realize this little small thing could cause so much damage. I mean, he wasn't really thinking about it. He was a little short-sighted, you could say. Thankfully, we still live to tell the tale. Our house is okay. The rug was a little messed up, but that's all. It's all good. But it was a little terrifying to walk into that. But here, here's the thing. It's kind of a funny story, but there's something serious there. This little match could have set our whole, whole house in flames. And when it comes to our words, we're often like that little kid. I mean, we don't realize the damage one word or, or something we say could actually do. And maybe it is because, like a kid, maybe it is because we're immature or short-sighted, maybe just having fun, didn't really think about it. Or maybe it's because we're callous to the pain that we could cause. But whatever the reasons are, we tend to severely underestimate the power of our words especially when they're negative. James is telling us how serious this little match can be. He's telling us how serious our words are, how serious to take them, that we ought to be careful with how we use our words. And to help us understand and really utilize the power of our words, you really have to embrace a two-part process. One we've been talking about. The first one is that we have to resist engaging with other people using destructive words. We have to resist the force. And second, we need to learn to encourage, or a word that we find in Scripture, edify other people. To encourage or edify other people. Because the words that we use are critical to the health and vibrancy of our relationships, any relationship that we're in. In fact, if you look at any healthy relationship that you know, perhaps you're in one or you know someone in one, when you talk about marriage or a parent and a kid, a friendship, whatever it is, if you look at healthy relationships, one thing you'll always find is there is a consistent flow of words that are encouraging, edifying, building up. And you'll see that. That marks that relationship. But the opposite is also true. When you find unhealthy relationships, perhaps there's something toxic there. There's words being exchanged that are demeaning or insulting. And you'll find that embedded in those relationships. Because the secret that people who are relationally intelligent or, or relationally wise, the secret that they all know is this, that relationships take hard work. Yet, it's the most important work we will ever do. Relationships, good ones, healthy ones, vibrant ones, thriving ones, relationships take hard work. But it's the most important work we'll ever do. So these people with healthy relationships, they know what it takes, and they also know it is worth it. Here's how Paul, the Apostle Paul, articulates the same two-part process in Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 29, he says this. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Do not let any, not some. He says, don't let any come out of your mouths. He's like, work hard at this in essence but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Only let come out of your mouth, really wholesome talk, only things that are helpful in building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Those who hear your words, you want it to benefit them. You want it to be wholesome. 
Be sure not to let the unwholesome come out and be sure to use your words wholesomely. He's saying resist going negative with your words and instead use your words to bring life to other people. Another translation, the Passion Translation, says it like this. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth, but instead let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage or edify other people. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. So maybe you're thinking, all right, yeah, 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 I'm on board with that. Just tell me how to do it. Or or maybe for some, you might be thinking, I'm not really good with words, or I don't really know what to say. Or maybe for others of you, you think, you know, I haven't really been the recipient of really encouraging or edifying words in my life. I I, I find it hard to envision or, or, or feel empowered to do that, to give something away that I really haven't been given. Or whatever else comes into your mind. But here's the good news. The Bible tells us that every single one of us, that God has given us the capacity to use our words to speak life to other people. No matter who you are, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through right now, that God gives you that capacity. And yes, it will take some effort and intentionality and hard work, but we're reminded that it will be worth it. It will increase uh, our relational intelligence. It will better our relationships. It, It will help us foster and build relationships that we long for. And even if you've not been on the receiving end or, or, or maybe not much, here's the other good news, that God is in the business of redeeming our pain and loss, that he wants to use you. In fact, we often find God using us in things that we've been through that are painful or where we've been hurt, and he uses us to impact other people perhaps going through the same thing. So when we become people who choose our words and choose to use them to bless others, what we'll experience is a kind of joy inside of our hearts, a kind of fulfillment and, and, and soul satisfaction that comes when we bless other people. It, it rings true to what Jesus said a long time ago when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So it is more blessed to give words than to receive them. And we all have to make the choice. How are we going to use our words? For good or not. And as we strive to become more relationally intelligent, more wise in the way we interact with other people, I want to give today three ways that we can better encourage or edify the people in our lives, thus fulfilling the second part of the process. So first, one thing we can and ought to do is that we ought to consistently use words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. And I know we generally kind of know what this is, but to state it like this, affirmation involves sharing something positive that you notice about someone else. And again, all of us can do this. So when Hudson was younger, I picked this up from somebody along the way and was really going, I would tuck him in, uh, you know, before he was going to sleep at night and I would say this to him. I said, if I lined up all the little boys and all the little girls in the whole wide world and I could just pick one, I'd pick you. And he would beam with glowing happiness, you know. And why? It would fill him up, right? Why? Because there's something about us as human beings that that we're filled up when we hear that. What I was doing was I was noticing my own child that that he's someone special. I was noticing and saying, you are loved. I was expressing it. I was speaking life into existence. And it filled him up. 
Psalm 139 tells us that you and me and all humanity were fearfully and wonderfully created by God. That we have this divine imprint on us. And so when we recognize the God imprint on another person and you express it with words that you celebrate it maybe, that celebrate that person, not only does it bring us closer to the person, it also brings us closer to God. Because God created us. He designed us with intention, with uniqueness, with delight. And he wants us to have relationships that are good and healthy, that are thriving both with him and with other people. So you can use affirming words with someone you know well or someone you don't. You can use it in everyday occurrences. You can use it with your spouse and your kids and your sibling and your friends and your coworkers and your acquaintances and the person at the grocery store. We can use affirming words in all different ways. And one of the real just simple practical ways you can do that, if anybody's looking for, okay, how do I do that? Where do I start? Well, start with you're really great at fill in the blank. You're really great at listening to people and caring about their life, their needs. Or you're really great at putting people at ease when they're tense or working hard. Or you're really great at communicating with others. I mean, it's a simple thing, but, but when you notice something about someone and you express it, it fills them with life. It meets them where they're at. It makes them feel good. Maybe brings a smile on their face. Uh, I, these days, Hudson is 13. And one of the things that I tell him frequently is something that I notice in him, and I'll, and I'll say something uh, to the effect of, you're, you're really great at being thoughtful and conscientious about other people's feelings. He is. He's empathetic. He's conscientious. He's always thinking about that. And again, he sees in a different way, at a different stage of life, but he, but he hears that, and it, it impacts him. And we can do this, whether it's with our kids or anybody else. We use affirming words And when we use them sincerely and genuinely, not with false flattery, that's not what we're talking about. We're not just going, you know, saying go around telling everybody they're great at everything. That's really not that meaningful and that could do the opposite. I mean, I remember in college, I started playing the guitar and singing. And I mean, in my head, I had a dream. I had one little problem. I was tone deaf, which maybe I should send a video to Todd now that I think about it. That would be kind of fun. But then he'll share it like on the internet and I'll be like mad. And then I'll be mad at JT. I don't know. Sorry, I digress. <laughs> uh, but, but, but here's the thing. If someone would have come alongside and said, you are such a great musician, Steve. You should get up there and sing that song. You make me crazy or some of that. I was like, no, no, no. That's not the point, right? No, we want sincerity. We want truth. And in contrast, okay, music wasn't the path for me. I've embraced it. I've let go of my dream. But a different path was. And... Back when I was a younger adult, Pastor Marty came alongside me. Our lives intersected, and he helped me get on the right path. He, he nudged me along. He used affirming words to nudge me along, to motivate me, to infuse courage in me, and to help me move forward. All of us can do this. And we, we ought to be reminded that you never know how much you're going to impact someone. Maybe it's a word. Maybe it's a moment. Maybe it's several words and your impact over time on somebody. But your words of affirmation, that you're celebrating someone, that you're noticing someone, that you're recognizing something, something unique about them that God created. And you're expressing that. You're speaking life. I mean, I tell my wife uh, different things. One t- thing I tell her is you're so great at showing up when her kids need you. No matter what's going on in her life, she's busy or life is chaotic or she's 
doing something right in the middle of it. She'll stop, she'll pause, she's so present with them. I mean, you can tell somebody you're great at seeing and helping people in need. You can tell somebody at work, yeah, you're really talented. You make me better as a team member. You can tell somebody who does sing, you're really great at leading worship. And maybe someone who's on the stage, you know, that you tell them after and you say, you help us experience God, thank you. You're great at building community, or on and on it goes, that we can do this. And there can be different phraseology and terminology and verbiage, all that, but that we would increase that in our life and, and use our words in an affirming way, that we'd take a moment to recognize the uniqueness and specialness about the people around us, in big things and in small. A second way we can use encouraging or edifying words is through words of inspiration. So this is a little different than affirmation. So when we share words of inspiration with someone, we're telling them, I see what you could do or be. I believe what God can do in your life. So Hebrews 10, 24 tells us, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Spur them on. Spur them on. You can spur them on to serve in some way, to pursue some accomplishment or achievement. You can nudge someone with your words to seek to accomplish something or give themselves to something. So, so in essence, when we affirm someone, we see what is there. We're recognizing what is there. But when we inspire someone, we're really seeing what could be there as they step into the life that perhaps God has for them. And I've had, once again, many people that have come alongside me and believed in me and, and, and saw potential in me and, and paid attention to what God seemed to be doing in my life or maybe what was ahead. And they've used their words to invest in my life because they believed what God wanted to do in me and what God wanted to do through me. And we can do that with other people. Perhaps we've had it done with us. And in one season of my life, in, in grateful response, you know, I've tried to, to, to do that with other people and don't always get it right. But in one season of my life, I started a leadership development program called the Protege Program. It was for 20-something young leaders. And these women and men came that were really talented with lots of potential. And my main job was to come alongside them in their life and to help them uh, find and, 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 and envision them to find God's path for them. So they were giving themselves to this program, they were growing, they were developing, and my role was to come alongside and, and use words to hopefully inspire them, to nudge them toward the path that God had for them. And as they pursued their unique path, what I got to stand back and see and watch is God transforming lives right before my eyes. And it wasn't that I was so great at that, it's that I was able to see what was great about them, or at least could be great about them. Because we're all really like pre-great we just need somebody to come along and see it and affirm it and inspire us toward it. And the flip side is also true. The people that you bump into in your life, it's not going to be everybody, but it'll be some. It might only be one in one season at least. And you can use words to inspire them, to bring hope to them, to help them see the potential that is in them, to see what God could do in their life, who they could become. Again, we all need that, and we all have the capacity to do it. And to take it one step further, you know, the Bible challenges us on the consistency by which we do this. In Hebrews 3, we're told by the author there, he says, encourage one another daily. Couldn't be more clear. Encourage one another daily. 
He's saying, do this all the time. Do this consistently. Live this way. Spend your words this way. And then later in that same book, Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us not stop encouraging one another daily. Let us not stop encouraging one another daily. So it's true. You and I both run into people all the time. Sometimes we live with them. Other times we run into them at work or at the store or wherever in life. And we have opportunities every day to express words that we get to speak life into people and hope and love. We get to be a light with our words to people, hopefully inspiring them to be something more, to do something more. It's part of the calling of every follower of Jesus. All right, there's a third way we can encourage and equip. It's through words of gratitude. Words of affirmation, words of inspiration, and words of gratitude. And when we receive words of gratitude, we all have, you have, I have. When we receive words of gratitude, it's life-giving. I mean, who doesn't want to have someone express that they are appreciated, whether that's at work or in a friendship or in your family or wherever? I mean, we want that. We need that. We, we, we're filled up by that. And the other thing is this. I'm guessing that most of you feel the feelings of gratitude. You know what it feels like. You feel it. And maybe you would admit you don't express that gratitude like you would like or want to or perhaps ought to. A couple years ago, my wife Sherry and I heard the story of a young man with autism. And it really moved us because we have a son, our 12-year-old, Holden, has autism. And we heard this story about this young man's journey because he was nonverbal. He didn't have words until he got to his late teenage years. And lots of things had led up to that moment, but the moment emerged. And it was a moment that he was with his parents that he had his first words. There were two words. And he said to them, thank you. He said, thank you. Those were his first words to his parents. The parents who had fought for him and loved him and been there with him all through the ups and downs. And he had this moment that he was able to finally express those words. You know, we look into my one son's eyes holding and we look into his eyes and we try to figure out what he's thinking or feeling because he doesn't have words for it. And it struck me this week, both the story and in my own life with my son, you know, some people aren't able to express words. But we are. Most of us are. And yet we live our lives and we, and we fail to remember the power and the importance of our words. In this case, words of gratitude. I mean, there are people all around us, because we know this is true in our own lives, they ought to be appreciated. Someone ought to tell them. Maybe nobody ever does. And as we do navigate this crazy world of relationships, relationships, what if you became a person that was known for expressing gratitude, genuine, sincere gratitude, authentic and honest, but when you saw someone doing something, you thanked them. Again, it could be in big or small things. It could be somebody you know well or somebody you don't. It could be somebody we live with or don't. Thank you for cooking a meal. Thank you for taking me out. Thank you for cleaning. Thank you, parents, for paying off my school debt, right, or whatever. Thank you, mom and dad. I appreciate you paying off my debt. But thank you, coworker, for the way you serve our team or serve at work or the way you work hard and you inspire me toward that. Thank your kid for being kind and respectful the one time a week they are, right? Thank your friend for always being there when you need them or picking up the phone 
every time you call. And on and on the list goes. But does it really cost us almost anything to express our gratitude, to use our words that people, us too, but people are longing to be appreciated? Because when you're appreciated, what indirectly gets said to you is that you matter. And I want to tell you, you matter. We appreciate you. It's why we try to tell you as a church, but in our individual lives, I mean, what if that was your life? What if, you know, if you're married, your spouse, your kids, what if your friends and your roommates, what if your coworkers is like, man, Steve or whoever, fill in your name, right? And he's always thanking us. What what it'll produce both in you is a different heart. It'll produce a joyful heart and it will also generate joy in others. And that's the kind of relationships God envisions for us. That those kinds of things, affirming words, inspiring words, words of gratitude, all these things that encourage and edify people, that build people up, it's who he wants us to be. And if you're not that kind of person, perhaps it's time to do a heart check. Because Jesus spoke of this, that the words that come out of our mouth reveal what's in our heart. And in this whole conversation, you know, we're talking about words being a gift, and, and my mind goes to the greatest gift, really, the gift of God giving his son as a sacrifice for us so that we could be forgiven and made right. And it's no coincidence to me that Jesus in the New Testament is referred, he's referred to as the logos, the living word. And, and you know, we call this book, Bible, the word of God. And it is the word of God. It's a powerful book. It's a book that can change a person's life. It's changed mine. But I would also add that the word of God can't be limited to pages. Because the word of God, the living word of God, the logos is a person and his name is Jesus. And he is the living word. He's the living word. And he came to this earth motivated by love. He wrapped himself in human flesh. He emptied himself of the glory that he embodied. He entered this world to walk with humanity so that he could die on a cross and be raised to new life so that we could know and experience the most powerful words we will ever hear and know. And the words are this, that you are loved. That you are loved. You are loved deeply and profoundly. You are loved tenderly and unconditionally. God loves you. And there are words that we probably all know, words that the Gospel of John writes in the New Testament, and they've resounded throughout history. They've entered into the present, and they will echo for all eternity. It's the words that say this, for God so loved the world you and me and all humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And it's the God of the universe that stepped into human history so that you would know, so that you would know and you would experience, so you would hear the words, not just verbally, but with a life laid down for you. You would hear the words, you are loved. You see, those words can transform a life. 
Those words can transform an eternity. So I ask you today, have you really received those words? Maybe never before. Maybe someone's here and you've never received those words. You've never said, God, I want to know your love. I don't really know it. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need to receive the gift. For others, maybe you've been in that conversation for some time, but maybe that love of God is not familiar to you. What God might say to you today is open up your heart. Get a refresh. Don't we all need that sometimes? And I would just say for all of us, this the love that God has, the, these words of love that, that you are loved or that God's saying, I love you, they're not words to be heard one time. It's not one transaction. It's words of a lifetime. It's words that, that we ought to carry in our soul. Because those words, I know in my life, have transformed me. You know, the Apostle Paul prays in one moment in the book of Ephesians 3. He says, he prays for these people he knows and loves. And he says, I pray that you would experience, that you would know experiential, that you would know the deepest part of your being, that you would know the love of God, the depths and the breadths and the width and the heights, that you would know that love, that you would center your life on it and be transformed by it, that you would find your strength in that love. And how about you? Is that, is that where you find your strength? Because, you know, to be a person that, that loves others, whether that's packaged in words or deeds or something else, to, to be a person who loves really ultimately flows from our relationship with God, that we've experienced his love and the overflow of our life is to love others. And a big part of that is through our words. And what makes this all even a little more beautiful is that, that God doesn't just want our relationship with him restored, though he does. He wants us to cultivate healthy relationships that are thriving and wonderful and beautiful. That's his dream. That's his vision. That's what he longs for. And, and I know relationships are crazy and, and we're kind of messed up and crazy ourselves. and we're, we're broken and we're on a journey toward wholeness, right? That's all true. That's true about all of us. But God's inviting us into transformation. And as we participate in that and carry these gifts of love with us, often packaged in words. And we share them freely and generously with other people. We will be part of living out God's vision for humanity. This will be held together by love and it will move forward by His grace. And we, you and me, and all humanity, we get to be part of that. Stevens Creek Church, we get to be part of that. That we would bring that vision to reality. And it happens in the ordinary. It happens in the everyday. When you make a choice, I'm going to use my words. Not in a destructive way. I'm going to resist that force to talk about other people or to talk to people in a certain way. And I'm going to use my words to encourage and edify and affirm and inspire. I'm going to express gratitude. And I'm going to live differently because of the very gift that's been given to me. And if we do that, we will change our relational world. Our relational intelligence will go up. The health and vibrancy of our relationships will increase. Our lives and those around us will be transformed and impacted more than we could ever predict. That is the invitation. And we would walk in that way of living. Will you pause and bow your head with me as we pray? God, as we close today, 
I pray just a couple things. One, I pray for the person who's listening who just needs your love. Maybe they've never experienced it. Maybe they're just in need of it once again, a refresh. God, for all of us, I also pray that, that we would be reminded of your wonderful, abounding, eternal, unconditional love, that it would seep deep into our souls and transform who we are. And God, I also pray that whatever was speaking to each person's heart today, that you would move them and motivate them to, to be more who you want them to be that they perhaps would know their own sense of uniqueness, but that they also would be a person that would be a conduit of your love to others, that they would affirm people and encourage people and edify. They would inspire people and express gratitude and, and that the conversations of their life and relationships of their life would be transformed. God, give us the motivation, give us the fuel to live different, to live this way, to use our words better. And may it change the people's lives around us and our very lives as well. God, thank you. Thank you for the gift of salvation, for the gift of your love, for the gift of community and relationship. I pray for each person today. May their relationship with you grow. May, may they be transformed. May their relationships with others grow. May they, may they be transformed. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, would you guys stand for just a moment? It's been a good day here at Stevens Creek. We're so grateful that you've come and experienced this with us. Uh, it feels like 2 o'clock, but it's 1 o'clock. Is that right? Or the opposite? Is that right? Is that right? Opposite. Oh, my goodness. It feels like 12, right, but it's 1. All right, so you're probably hungry, right? It's needless to say. But, hey, hope you have a great Sunday. Come back next week. We'll continue our series on You Made Me Crazy. And tell somebody they're crazy on the way out if you want. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.